Amen and good evening. Hey, listen, we're ready to start tonight. In just a minute, I'll introduce our guests for the evening. But just a reminder of a few things is, listen, we're doing this every Sunday now at 4 o'clock. I might sound like I'm a little bit out of breath because I am. I just ran from my <laughs> office to get some notes, and uh, I made it back in time. Uh, but listen, we're going to have an exciting time tonight. We have a lot of things coming up. We have different interviews I'm going to be doing every week, uh, along with the regular prophecy updates that come on Wednesdays, the short ones that are posted on YouTube and also now on my Facebook. And uh, tonight I want to welcome everybody that's watching via Facebook, uh, Pastor Tom Hughes, and also HopeForOurTimes.com and HopeForOurTimes YouTube channel. Thank you for joining us and for wherever you are out there in the rest of the world. Uh, we're here in Southern California. We welcome you. Uh, I think that you're going to be greatly blessed tonight. We're going to answer a whole lot of questions. And tonight my guest is James Cadiz. Now I invited James here just for this reason. I wanted somebody that is a little bit quieter than normal because I noticed, James, <laughs> you're very quiet and we just want a real calming effect. <laughs> That was sarcasm there, wasn't yes, it, yes. Tommy? You yeah. know it was sarcasm. <laughs> Listen, this is going to be terrific. I love having you here. Uh, James and I, we also now have a, um, a podcast that we're doing every week. We did two this past week. Uh, we're scheduled for every Friday podcast, along with yours. You do one every day, don't you? Yeah. So uh, we do, uh, the, the whole heart about it is we do, uh, I do about a seven minute, seven to eight minute little devotional in the morning. I talk about all kinds of things. Uh, you name it, I'll just do whatever God puts upon my heart. And then we do a study every night or a Q&A session. So for every single night that there isn't a Bible study, we're actually doing a Q&A. It lasts about an hour. And uh, we're taking questions. And, uh, you know, uh, we let you know, by the way, just FYI, if you guys haven't subscribed to HopeForOurTimes.com, I know you just talked about it, but that's really important. And I want to ask that you subscribe to CalvaryChapelSignalHill.com because if you do, we'll keep you up to speed on what's going on with those Q&As. And you can catch my devotionals if you uh, just follow me on Instagram, James Cadiz. And, and you'll get to see that every single, every single day. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I just want to reiterate what James just said. Make sure you subscribe to these. Uh, share them with friends, too. Right. Um, it, right. Because people get connected when they are shared from somebody that they know, a friend of theirs, and they'll watch them and that type of thing. And there's a lot of people out there that, that are, you are watching this right now, but there's a lot of people out there that they, they want to know what in the world is going on. They aren't sure where to turn to. They're probably friends of yours, and this can introduce uh, people to them, even with someone like James, who they will definitely get an introduction to. <laughs> so you ready? Let's do it. All Let's right, go. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We pray that you bless this night. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, sir, we have a lot going on uh, in this world. Everybody knows that. So oh, let's start with this, because uh, we've talked about the COVID-19. Yep. Um, you prefer to call it something else. We'll get into that <laughs> in a few minutes. Uh, but there's a lot of other things that are going on. We talked a little bit about a few things this past week on the podcast. Right. But there are other things that are happening. So uh, let's start here. Um, I, I want to look at the Bible. There's a problem, because there's an attack on the Bible, and there's a new version of the Bible out there that has removed the mention of Israel from the Bible. Do you see that as a problem? Uh, it's insane. Yeah. Um, it's almost like saying we're going to offer a Bible to you that excludes the name of Jesus or excludes the invocation of the word God. Uh, it's absurd. Um, but there is, in my opinion, it's not my opinion, it's a fact. Listen, there is a satanically inspired movement that encourages anti-Semitism uh, throughout everywhere. We're seeing it amongst uh, so-called Christianity. We're seeing it amongst business. We're seeing it even in our Congress. I mean, I never thought I would see the day where 18 members of our House of Representatives are actually literally invested in BDS and openly speak anti-Semitically. Many of the other ones don't speak so openly about it, but they very much are. And it's really a shame when you begin to see that. But these are satanically inspired things and they're things that we should not uh, be surprised with. Uh, the, the removing or the revisionist history mindset of removing Israel from the Bible is absurd, especially because 
it's literally 75% of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Israel is God's ancestrally chosen people. How in the world can you do that? The new covenant is based on the original covenant. I mean, that doesn't even work. The promise that God gives to Abraham concerning Israel is all predicated. It literally, it is the foundation of everything that carries through. It's the law that God handed to the nation of Israel that gave Jesus Christ the authority to forgive us of our sins. Yeah. So how in the world can we remove the name Israel? Yeah, it's, 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 I look at the enormity of this. Um, and this is, is a problem. And this is why I believe that Christians need to understand Bible prophecy regarding the second coming of Christ. Right. Everything is contingent upon God's relationship with his people. Right. Israel in the Correct. first coming of Christ and in the second coming of Christ. There's Christians out there that have no idea that Jesus was actually Jewish. Right. They're, they're so surprised. He wasn't Jewish. He was Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I heard some. That's true. Yeah, you hear these things going, where do you get these things from? Oh, well, he was European. Christianity began in Europe or, right. or wherever. No, 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 no. You go back to the Mideast. It's Israel. God had a covenant with Israel. So I look at it, and there's a term out there. It's called replacement theology. Yep. We have the BDS movement, uh, boycott, divest, sanction, all products from Israel. However, with this, this looks like it takes replacement theology uh, a whole nother step because now you actually, what is, I don't know what they've replaced the word Israel with. But I look at it and go, this is really the move to replace Israel in the Bible with the modern church, whatever the modern church uh, form is. Yeah, listen, I don't even call it replacement theology anymore. I call it satanic theology, okay? Because you really do have to reprogram what the scripture says about God's ancestrally chosen people. There's no way in the world you can be a believer in the Bible and actually make the assertion that Israel is not to be treated differently than the church. And replacement theology goes further than that. Replacement theology seeks to eliminate the Jewish state. I mean, there's no difference between the teaching of replacement theology in many ways uh, than what Iran says when they say their sole purpose is to destroy the Jewish state. It's the same thing, because what you're doing is you're saying, listen, all of the references that we see being made to Israel in Revelation, all the references that we see being made to Israel in a future context by the major prophets and the minor prophets, which, by the way, there's nothing minor about those prophets, right? But all of those references have to get thrown away. And what you do is you say, oh, no, those are references to the church. Now, this is where post-tribulational uh, eschatology comes from. This is how people come to the perspective that we are going to go through the tribulation because they replace us or they replace Israel with the church and they make the assumption that the church, it's not an assumption, it's, a, it's fake news. I mean, these theologians must have been trained at the CNN School of Theology. I don't know, or maybe the MSNBC School of Theology. <laughs> but the whole point is this. The whole point is, is they replace the existence of Israel with the church and then when God says he's going to be dealing with Israel in the tribulation, now it's, oh, now God is going to be dealing with the church. It's absurd, right? And there's a lot of reasons why that's absolute fake news, why it's satanically inspired. And I mean, think about this. The whole purpose of the tribulation, everybody says, oh, the purpose of the tribulation is God judging the world. Eh, that's a wrong view, right? We know that God's judgment upon the world is going to be executed during that time. But if you really think about it, the whole purpose of the tribulation is to do what? It's yeah. to deal with the nation of Israel, yeah. right? And we have specific people that are named, people that God is going to preserve and he's going to keep and they're going to become the great evangelists of that time. But we are going to be raptured. We're going to be yeah. gone during that time. Amen. So it was interesting, Daniel chapter 9, God's very specific. When Daniel is praying and wondering, uh, tell me about all of these different things. And, and Daniel is told, Here's the understanding of the vision that you had, Daniel. Seventy weeks are determined for your people. Right. And we know that from Bible prophecy. Correct. That's the final seven-year period for your holy people, for the holy city, um, to bring an end, end to sin and end to transgression. Correct. God is redeeming the nation of Israel. He's redeeming the Jewish people during Correct. that time. Correct. And, and we get confused in not understanding any of that. And when you don't understand Israel in the proper biblical context, you cannot understand what in the world is going on when it comes to last day's events, uh, not understanding what is the end of the world, what isn't the end of the world as we know it. 
because the world as we know it will end. But listen, we're going to go into the millennial kingdom and, and Jesus is going to come back and he's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. So as long as we're on the subject of Israel, yeah. and, uh, I want to get into the economy. There's right. a massive meat sor- shortage that looks like coming our way. Uh, not just beef and pork, but even chicken. Right. A- and people are freaking out over that. I want to talk about that in a minute. Um, we have a couple of other areas I want to go also regarding the Pope and some statements that he made. But let me ask you this. It wasn't in the docket to ask you these questions. But let me ask you about the temple and the Temple Mount. Because right. there's a lot of Jews that want to build the temple. Right. They haven't, had to, they haven't been able to worship since the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. Correct. And Jesus yep. said that was going to happen. Right. That was a long time ago. You bet. So they really want to. They've got a problem. The Jewish religious leaders know it is a problem. Mm-hmm. They want to build the temple. But right now within Christianity, I get this argument all the time that the temple never existed on the Temple Mount. <laughs> the temple actually uh, <laughs> existed. It was built in the area of the city of David. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of you who are watching at home, and don't and aren't if you're familiar with Jerusalem, if you've been there, you get it. But the <coughs> Temple Mount's up here. The city of David is down here. You have the southern steps that come down. You cross the road. You're there in the city of David. So it's down here. Temple Mount's up here. Um, city of David is not real big. You can look at a map and see the city of David's not real big. There's a palace that's there. Lots of archaeological finds. Um, but uh, what say you? Because uh, there are a lot of people now that are saying the Temple Mount was never up there on the yeah, Temple. Yeah. Uh, the Temple was never up there on the Temple Mount so, down so, below. Yeah, so here's my advice. You hear somebody that says that the Temple Mount's going to be built in the city of David, stop listening to them, right? Don't listen to their teaching because they're heretical. They're not doing the research. They're not paying attention. They clearly don't know how to count because if they could measure size in and of itself and distances, they would recognize that that's wrong. How in the world can, this, can the temple be built below the southern stairs where Herod's temple was actually uh, situated? And when you actually think about it, listen, we have tons, and I mean tons and tons and tons of biblical evidence that says something completely different. How can you say that where Jesus was with Satan at the pinnacle of the temple, right? The temple itself is going to be built below that area. Yeah. It just it yeah. doesn't make it doesn't sense. Make any sense. It's crazy, yeah. right? But it's yeah. interesting that you would talk about this because like going back to Daniel and going back to Israel being replaced, Daniel makes it very clear, right? The prophecies of Daniel chapter 9 speak about things that happen not only to the time uh, of Jesus coming in, literally into the city of Jerusalem on that day on Palm Sunday. That's a prophetic uh, discussion right there. I mean, I don't have to really get into all the details. All I can say is from the, re- from the declaration to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, uh, our exercis on Mar- March 14, 445 BC made that declaration, right? And you take that 69 weeks, that amounts to, according to the Babylonian calendar, 173,880 days. If you go to March 14, 445 BC, and you take that all the way, it takes you to the literal day that Jesus went into. And Jesus said it, didn't he? He said, you should have known this your day, right? So so the bottom line, my phone, my watch doesn't (laughs) want to be quiet. So the bottom line is this, and this this is unique and important to understand that last week, that 70th week, that hasn't happened yet. And this was a declaration made by God concerning his people, mm-hmm. right? His ancestrally chosen people, yep. Israel, that didn't change. So when we go back and we start dealing with these statements like, okay, well, the temple's going to be built over here, or it's going to be uh, uh, put in this location or that location, it's a revisionist attempt. It's literally an attempt to rewrite history because what you want to do is you want to sort of capitulate to the understanding of man. Here's another reason why people like that do it, right? People like that do it because they say it would be completely impossible to rebuild the temple right on top of where the Golden Dome is. Now, I know that there's some people that, that, and there's some good scholars that believe this, people that I respect, that believe that the temple is going to be built uh, just a little bit north of that area, right? But I mean, I think it's going to be built right on top of the, where the dome is. And I think that's why the Antichrist is going to be spectacular in what he does, because he might broker that deal. I mean, who knows? But one thing we do know for sure, we know the temple is going to exist during that time. And we know that it has to exist during the time of the, of the tribulation, because we know that sacrifices will cease. That's what the Bible tells us, right? We know that. So sacrifice what? If Israel is not not uh, 
Israel, as we say it is, right? Let's just say it's the church. Since when did the church go back to sacrificing yeah. in the temple? It doesn't make yeah. sense. You know, it, it, it completely is wrong. It's bogus. It's a backward view of mm -hmm. things. And so the whole idea behind the, the temple being built on the city of David, well, you have many more significant problems, okay? One of the, perhaps one of the most significant problems as it relates to the temple is if you look at the placement of Ezekiel's temple, the one that we read about uh, later on after the, the account that mm -hmm. we see of the war in Ezekiel chapter 38, how in the world does it work as it coincides with the east gate and the splitting open mm -hmm. of the Mount of Olives? Yeah. How does that river, how does that water base even work? Mm -hmm. If it's on the mountain, if it's sitting on the city of David, you don't even have that pathway yeah. that God speaks about. You're, you're geographically completely wrong and you throw away everything that's said about the Lord. Listen, you have to throw away Zechariah chapter 14. Mm -hmm. You have to throw away all of Ezekiel for the most part. You have to throw away virtually everything Daniel says in Daniel chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 12. You have to throw away a bunch of things. You have to throw away a lot of what it says in the book of Revelation, right? It just doesn't make sense. And so uh, people that believe that I think are just very misguided. Either that or they're looking for some money for a new book that will yeah. intrigue people to kind of get them excited about a new look on something uh, extraordinarily bad if you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna believe that I know a lot of people are believing it yeah. you mentioned the East Gate so for those of you again who haven't been to Jerusalem Temple Mount's here East Gate is here East faced East faces East City of David is here it's the southern steps base of it so East is facing that way how could that even line up too? right you know you, you just that alone and if you build the temple where this these teachers say you're going to have to build the temple there in the Mount Zion area or the, below the Mount Zion area when you're talking about this, this, this area of the city of David. You can't even face the temple east. You don't have enough room to face the temple east. So what are you going to do? You would have to kind of face it uh, slightly southeast. Well, how does that work? Because when we talk about the East Gate, we're talking about the East Gate yeah. of the temple, mm -hmm. of the courtyard of the temple. We're not talking about the East Gate of the city proper, although it is very interesting because that's why the East Gate of the city is actually sealed right now. Because the Muslims mm -hmm. read the Bible and were actually scared that the Messiah was going to come through the East Gate. So what did they do? Yeah. They sealed it off, yeah. which I think is just awesome. And it's it hilarious. Is, and it is sealed off. <laughs> you can go online right now, Google it, look at a picture. You will see it is, it is sealed off. Okay, so we are talking. Here's another question I wasn't going to ask you, okay. but I'm going to. Because I still want to get to the meat shortage and the Pope <coughs> and several other things. <laughs> so uh, uh, the, uh, you're talking about the time the Bible tells us, Romans chapter 11, yep. blindness in part has happened to Israel yep. until the time of the Gentiles is full. Mm -hmm. And then God's working with Israel again. Yep. So the blindness in part, uh, Jesus was, he presents himself uh, fulfilling the prophecy of uh, 173,880 days. Yep. Palm Sunday presents himself as the Messiah. Right. The people shout Hosanna. By the end of the week, they say crucify him. Daniel's prophecy says the Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. Right. right? He was cut off for us. So that happened with the Messiah, but now we're in the time of the Gentiles. Yep. According to Romans chapter 11, blindness parts happen in Israel until the time of the Gentiles is full. Right. Uh, what does that mean until the time of the Gentiles is full? Well, it's really interesting because we get insight into this in the book of Revelation, right? When you read Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1 gives us the whole key to the book of Revelation. And people don't get that Revelation, all Revelation is, is the Old Testament being revealed to mm -hmm. us. I mean, that's what people don't yeah. get. You know, we really are seeing uh, the Old Testament being uh, literally put in a way where we can see it. I mean, you look at this, Daniel's like, hey, what am I, I don't even know what I'm writing here. And what do the angels say? He's told, hey, this is not for you to know right now, right? The people later on down the line are gonna know this, the, the wise are gonna know this, right? And of course, God has given us the wisdom to be able to see this. We see the interpretation of this given to us in the word of God. But it's interesting because there's that key that's given to us in Revelation chapter 1. And he tells this to John. He says, look, write the things which were, write the things which are, and write the things which are to come. Right? And so the things that are, right, we're talking about the church, what I like to call the church age. Me and you just recently did some teaching through that. I did a series called The Church Age where I talk about the seven letters to the seven churches and the time periods that are oftentimes represented by that. But something very interesting in the Greek language happens in chapter four 
of Revelation where it says after these things. Now, I'm not going to get into all the complexities of the Greek associated with that phrase, but literally when it says that, when it says metatauta, and it's, it's a little bit more complicated than just me quoting a few Greek words, it literally says after what things, after the period, the time period that's being spoken of. Interestingly enough, after you get through Revelation chapter 2 and 3, you have no more mention of the church, right? At least not within the context of what's going on there as we deal with the nation of Israel. So what happens is this, and, and I think that it's critical to understand the context of Romans, right, before we make a comment on the ending of the time of the Gentiles. Because with that, when that fullness comes to place, here's the thing that people don't get. Paul is talking about the beauty of salvation to the Gentiles. He's speaking to the Roman church and he's saying, look at what God's done. He says, listen, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And he says, oh, I thank the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll deliver me. And then he goes on to say, hey, look, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are walking with Christ Jesus, right? We, we, we don't walk according to the flesh, but we walk according to the spirit. And he goes on, he says, hey, the same spirit of God that rose Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in us. That's verse 11 of chapter 8. Then he starts getting into more intense things. He says, listen, if you're in Christ, everything works out together for the good. And then he goes on, he says, look, I'm convinced neither debt nor height nor any other created thing will be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then he goes on to say, we're more than conquerors. And now the Gentile audience, they're reading this and they're going, ha, ha, this is awesome. This is great. We're celebrating. Ha, ha, those Jews, they rejected this. Those dummies. That's what they're thinking. The apostle Paul jumps in in chapter 9 and he says, my heart's broken for these guys. These are my countrymen. So listen up, Gentiles. Don't be arrogant. Don't be like the, the, like the Jews where you got all cocky because of the new heritage that God's given you. Because let me make something very clear to you. It's not like God just threw away the Jews and picked you up and now he's working with you. No, he's working with the Jews. And let me explain something to you, Gentiles. He's not finished with the Jews. And so when, when this age of you coming to know the Lord and realizing him and growing and experiencing him and walking with him, when he takes us all up, he's going back to deal with my countrymen. He's going back to deal with those people. And that, in essence, is what we're talking about here. And I believe we are watching God prepare his ancestrally chosen people. And I use the term ancestrally chosen because I believe as Gentiles, of course, we're God's chosen people as the church. But I love using the phrase ancestrally chosen people because he has chosen them. And they are a, a race of people that God has used for his glory. He has set aside for his purposes. And he's not done with them. And the Bible, listen, if we were talking about something metaphorical in nature and there was supposed to be an association between the church and or the Gentiles, so to speak or the church and Israel then we would not see specifics being rendered to us right we would not mm -hmm. see things like 144,000 being given and the problem is when you choose to take those things at its face value you win if you choose to sort of uh, create all of these allegorical configurations and all this other nonsense, you become a Jehovah's Witness, right? Or any other kind of cult that comes to these wrong conclusions. And I do think it's very cult-like to, to literally erase Israel out of the picture because there's going to come a point in time where that period of time associated with the Gentiles is done. God raptures us. First Thessalonians, right, the trumped uh, the, the, the trumpet goes off, God calls us up, we're snatched, right? And then what happens? Now it's time for God to deal with the Jews. Mm -hmm. Now, will Gentiles get saved during that time? Absolutely. Will Gentiles get saved at the hand of the gospel being preached by the Jews? Absolutely. But it isn't time for God to be dealing with the Gentiles. That time period is gone now. He's now dealing with the Jews. Mm -hmm. That's the whole idea here. Yeah. And it's all about that. Yeah, it is. And it is about God's 70th, the 70th week of That's Daniel, right. determined for your people, for your holy city, city of Jerusalem, of the Jewish people. Now think about it, this. God tells us. He tells us as his church that we're not going to know the day or the hour. Mm -hmm. Now, just assume that we're going to go through the tribulation. Mm -hmm. Let's just assume we believe the lie, right? The fake news. And we're going to go through the tribulation. Well, that means Jesus is a liar. Because the very moment that the Antichrist sets himself up in the temple and demands to be worshipped, it's 1,262 mm -hmm. days. From the very minute, mm -hmm. which means we know. Yeah, you could count exactly right. how many exactly. days that's going to exactly. be. Now, now here, I hear people say this. Well, Jesus said you don't know the day or the hour. 
He was specific to the hour. <laughs> so we can know the day. And so many false predictions. Right, there are. Every, every prediction that's ever happened about the timing of the rapture, 100% of them have been wrong. Yeah, and I think God intended that for a reason. Yes, he did. Yep. And he wants us to be ready. In the first century, the, the uh, Christians were supposed to watch and be ready. We were supposed to be mindful of these things. Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to understand these teachings, specifically about being caught up to meet the Lord in the air and before the wrath that was going to come. That's right. Okay, so you ready for some more? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, I'm going to go <clears throat> to this one. It's regarding uh, <clears throat> a couple of things regarding the economy. Okay. So I've heard a lot about these meat shortages that are coming. Yep. Um, Smithfield yep. had to shut down. I think they're Chinese-owned. They are, yep. Okay. The uh, parent company is. Okay, the parent yep. company, mm -hmm. Chinese-owned, which is yep. interesting. WH okay, this yep. article says almost a third of U.S. pork capacity is down. The first big poultry plants closed on Friday, and experts are warning that domestic shortages are just weeks away. Brazil, the number one shipper of chicken and beef, saw its first major closure with the halt of a poultry plant owned by JBSSA, mm -hmm. the world's biggest meat company. Key, key operations are also down in Canada, the latest being a British Columbia poultry plant. So I'm hearing these uh, over and over uh, again. This was from Bloomberg, uh, Bloomberg reports, and how this is, this is on the horizon, the, the, the meat shortages. Now, here's something else. I say a year ago, I was teaching Bible prophecy here Sunday night, and something about all these pigs needing to be uh, put down that were in China because of a pig virus mm -hmm. that was coming. And I said, this is going to affect, this was probably six months ago, mm -hmm. this is going to affect shortage of pork already, just that, because they're slaughtering like every pig in, right. in China, which I couldn't figure out what they were doing with all the pig bodies because right. there are so many of them. But now, in the United States, they're closing the plants because of coronavirus. Right. And right. people not going to work and right. that kind of thing. Isn't food an essential? Yeah. So this is what's very interesting. Uh, food is an essential, but there's some subtleties that we need to pick up on here. And, and again, we're called to be watchmen. So we need to pay attention to some of these things. And it is important because they do have biblical significance, not in its direct observation of what's actually happening, but the implications that actually surround what's taking place, right? So few things that we should pay attention to. Number one, I want to, all of you that are watching, I want you to go back to the last video that Tom and I did uh, when I was here at, at uh, the 412 church where we talked about, Tom had asked me, and I was a little aggressive about it, he asked me to explain my idea or my theory as into what was going on with this coronavirus and what the origin of it was. And I'm glad to say that I was on record many, many, many weeks before anybody started talking about it in the media that this was something that came out of a Petri dish somewhere in the Wuhan, in the Wuhan province, okay? And I will take it as far as to say that I really do believe that the Chinese Communist Party really did see the substantial damage that was taking place to their economic infrastructure. And I said this all the way back then. I said as a result of their attempt or the result of the damage that was done to their economic infrastructure based on President Trump's America-only view, right? He was beating them and beating them bad, right? Considerably he was beating them. Well, now their thought was, well, we're going to let this thing go or even worse, we're going to plant it. Okay, why? Because they knew that the economic variables associated with what this thing could do could shut down the United States easily. They did not anticipate it shutting down the whole world. Although I will say there probably had to have been some sort of anticipatory action associated with this, because if you really think about it and consider it, what was the first thing China did when this whole thing came loose and they started advertising it? They went and they swallowed up every single face mask they could get their hands on. They got every single personal protective gear item they could take on. They took it all. They took donations. This will crack you up. Italy says, we'll help you. We'll give you hundreds and thousands, millions of face masks. We'll help you. China says, please, please, we need it. Oh, we need it so bad. And then Italy goes into a tailspin, and China says, we love you, Italy. We'll take care of you. Pay us. Remarkable. Give me a break. Yeah. This is, this is economic business going on here. This is a war. And let me just tell you how privy our president is to a lot of this. He had been talking a long time ago 
about becoming independent energy wise. He had talked about becoming independent in our food supply lines. I want you to pay attention to the terminology that the president uses when he's asked about these meatpacking plants. People do not notice this subtlety, but I want you to pay attention to the subtlety. He is asked all the time in context of the farms and the meatpacking plants and any other co-packers that relate to food. He's being asked on a constant basis. All the press uh, that ask him this question, they say, do you believe we are going to have a problem with the food supply chain? That's the term that they use. Is the food supply chain going to be effective? And President Trump's instant response virtually every time, it's a subtlety people aren't paying attention to, is our food supply chain is secure. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say it's intact. He doesn't say it's strong. He doesn't say it's plentiful. He says secure. There's a reason why he uses those words. It's a military word. And the president has been speaking about it being a military operation for a very long time. He views this from the perspective of a military mechanism being deployed in order to be able to rescue the condition of the country. And so when we talk about these meat, these meat packing places that are closing and so on and so forth, I, you mark my words on this, I think the president is only gonna allow the ones to start closing that are affected the most economically by other nations, but as it relates to our nation, he's going to keep those secure. I really believe that. But it speaks a lot because those of us that are Bible watchers, right? We're looking at the word of God and we're looking at everything that's around us and we're supposed to be watchmen. It's going to dramatically, infrastructure, uh, dramatically affect the global food chain infrastructure. And in doing so, it's going to create literal food difficulties of epic proportions. We're going to see it. Yeah. We're going to see it. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because that's going to take me to my next question because we're witnessing... Uh, people who are watching prophecy things anyways, they're paying attention to not just what's going on here in the U.S. So locust invasions have been devastating Africa, right. amongst other areas too, yep. just absolutely devastating them. The COVID-19 uh, virus, or whatever it's called. The Communist Chinese Party virus. The CCP yep. virus yep. 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 Um, has also been devastating much of uh, Africa uh, in, the, in regards to famine. Uh, and lack of income and so forth. Right. Um, so what we're here experiencing here in the Western world is not as devastating as what's taking place elsewhere. And here's the thing. It's, it's devastating not so much because so many people are dying from this. Right. Because you and I have both seen the numbers. Right. Um, I, I, as, to me, it seems like an overreaction. It um, is. Uh, and, you know, some people get mad at me for saying that, but I look at the numbers. They, they don't match. But what is happening is the economic and the famine that looks like as the projections are out there now are going to be devastating, not so much in America, but in much of the world, especially places like Africa, yep. is going to be absolutely devastating. So I got this, uh, this, somebody had sent me this question earlier. In fact, if you have a question and you want to send it in, you can send it in right now and uh, we'll get it hopefully in time. Um, uh, to be able to to be able to answer it, uh, when you look at this, let me see. Where's this question? And while you're looking for the question, yeah. can I just address another issue yes. that I think is of critical importance here? Because I keep talking about the Chinese Communist Party, and there's one aspect of this that we're not considering, and it is super important because I believe China is going to be inconsequential in essence in the last days. I don't think they're really a big player here in the last days, okay. just like the United States. But think about this for a second. Here's, here's a thought process here, something to, to really consider for just one moment. Some of the most amazing brothers and sisters in the Lord are Chinese people mm -hmm. living in China. Mm -hmm. We have, there's an estimate of hundreds of millions mm -hmm. of people living in Asia who are loving the Lord, who are literally, this is no joke, they are living in secret. You know what, what our Chinese yeah. brothers and sisters are doing? <laughs> They're taking portions of the Bible. They're tearing pages up. They're memorizing those pages and handing it to one another because of their fear of what the, what the, the Chinese Communist Party is doing. So we need to pray for them because there is a, a, they, they are all victims of this wicked uh, 
uh, infrastructure that exists over there. And I thought that that's something important for us to note. I think it's important okay. to kind of to, 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 to make note of Amen. that. We have a lot of brothers and sisters that are over there Amen. that are suffering. I'm glad you brought that up. There's a young lady who fellowships here. Obviously, we haven't been able to get together as a church lately. Uh, she's from China, has not been here very long. And uh, she's filled me in on some of these exact things. She's on fire for the Lord. Uh, she has family that still live in China. Uh, and just some real unfortunate circumstances that have surrounded things that have happened, even with their own family, their own community. Communities on lockdowns, not because of coronavirus. They're on lockdowns because they're believers in Christ. Right. And they're imprisoned within their own community. Scary. So all these things that you say are absolutely true, and I think we forget that. But these are some of the most on-fire believers that are in the world. Uh, in America, oh, yeah. the church has gotten pretty easy. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's a different world out there, much of the world. The Islamic world, you come to Christ, you're threatened with your life. People give their life to Christ knowing they could be killed for it. It's happening in China, being tortured for your faith. That's a big deal. I want to get back to China in a minute, and you might not want to answer this, but I want to ask you about the 200 uh, million uh, Chinese people, army that's going to come across the Euphrates. I want to come back to that in just a minute. Um, but <laughs> you want to get me in trouble, don't you? <laughs> no, no, you don't have to answer any question. But before that, so we're talking about famine, we're talking about meat shortage, uh, we're talking about uh, these different things that are happening right now, uh, the locust invasion, uh, we're talking about coronavirus, the possible mutations of the coronavirus that are coming in the future too, uh, which we don't hear a lot about. But this question seems says it seems like a lot of these things are being set up, uh, and then after the rapture, everything is really going to break loose at that point. Uh, do you see it that way also? Oh, my goodness, bro. Look, um, I think, first of all, we got to lay a foundation down here, and just to understand that the way we look at end times has to be as Jesus explained it to us. Jesus said, hey, listen to this parable of the fig tree. And he basically says, when you observe the fig tree and you see the leaves coming forth and you begin to see the fruit coming forth, you know that the season is near. Likewise, the things that I've told you about, when you hear those things, when you see those things, they're a sign that the end is near. So throughout the ages as Christians, we've always been expecting the second coming of the Lord. This has been something that's so incredible. And people come to me all the time. They go, well, James, Pastor James, Jesus says he, he's going to come quickly and all these things are going to happen quickly. And why haven't they happened quickly? And it's been several thousand years. Come on. I mean, it's, it's really slow. And then the typical answer that I hear, well, a thousand years is as a, a day, is as a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is as a day. And I don't accept that answer. Because when Jesus talks about these things happening quickly, when Revelation talks about these things happening quickly, it's not saying it's going to happen quickly from the time I told you it's going to happen. It's saying it's going to happen all so fast all of a sudden, yes. right? Yeah. So it's going to come upon us very quickly. Now, knowing that and keeping that in mind, for several thousand years now, we have not been seeing a lot of the road signs, right? Mm -hmm. You're in Los Angeles and you need to go all the way up to uh, Washington, Right? You're not going to, let's just say you want to go to Salem, Oregon, for example, okay? And you're driving up, you're not going to see a Salem, Oregon sign as you're going up through the, through the coast, going north on the west coast in California. You might see an Oregon sign 400 miles away, you know, mm -hmm. 200 miles away. And as you get into Oregon, you begin to see the Salem signs, right? Yeah. Closer and closer and closer. Yeah. And we are seeing the signs of these things beginning to happen right like you, you know you take a, you talk about the battle of ezekiel chapter 38 i am convinced that that battle is going to take place after the tribulation mm -hmm. but i also see lots of signs the, of it coming at, together at the I mean, end after of the, the, i see the tribulation i mean the rapture i said rapture. that the last time no, with john thank you for correcting I, I, me i keep saying my brain thinks rapture my mouth said tribulation after the rapture it's going to happen after the rapture. thank you for correcting me that would have been horrible do you believe anyway, that it will happen Okay, a lot of people think the rapture marks the beginning of the tribulation. Right, it sure. doesn't. The covenant of Daniel chapter 9 marks the beginning of Absolutely. the tribulation. So the rapture takes place. Right. And then do you think before the tribulation begins, 
Ezekiel Who knows? 38. Okay. That's kind of a difficult one to be able to tell. I, 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 I think I, it's probably before the tribulation okay. begins. But there's some interesting things with that because when you look at the, the battle of Ezekiel 38 and you look at Russia, you look at Turkey, you look at Libya, you look at Iran, uh, you look at these nations coming together and they're seeking to come against Israel. When you look at Russia, keep this in mind. The implication here is that Russia has a good relationship with Israel. And when Russia comes against Israel, Israel's going to be, it's going to be unsuspecting to them, right? And it looks like Russia's going to come down. They're going to, this battle is going to be over spoils. It's going to be over all the goods that they have. At least that's, that's what it would seem to imply. So, so it, I think it has to be something like that because what, this is what we're watching. We're watching an uptick with Israel. We're seeing a bl more and more blessings come upon Israel, just like Amos talked about, just like Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel. You look through all the minor prophets, Zechariah. I mean, you go everywhere, you can find these comments about Israel being blessed and God beginning to bless them as we approach this time. Number one exporter of fruit in the country, in the world, in many areas. They are literally number one all over the world in technology. I mean, we don't have to go, I mean, militaristically speaking, some of the best fighter pilots alive right now are Israeli fighter pilots. So they're growing. Their economic uh, infrastructure is growing. Their GDP per capita is insane. It's continuing to grow. And they're doing extraordinarily well. So eventually, they are going to become the envy of everybody that surrounds them. Everybody who's been talking about Bible prophecy so far, many of the people I hear, they spend a lot of time emphasizing, oh, they're going to want the strategic position of the Golan Heights, and they're going to want to be able to take on the military, or you know, the strategic areas for military purposes because of how Israel is situated. And I keep saying to them, no, you're not pointing at the most important part. You're looking at uh, spoils mm -hmm. that these people are going to want to take. And so, look, when I begin to see Russia get hostile towards Israel, I'm not, I'm not really moved by that. But when I begin to see Putin and Bibi Netanyahu get along and play kissy face with, with one another. Yeah. At a time when Iran and Turkey are starting to get along, which the Iran and Turkey don't get along. Turkey's not really getting along with anybody right no, now, are they? No, they're not. Okay. No. I, but, I, but this is why it's important that Turkey's not getting along with anybody because uh, Putin is acting like a broker. He's like, nice he's kids. That's, okay, come on, behave that's exactly yourself. What he's doing. And he's also beginning to step in on this nonsense going on between Russia and Saudi Arabia. And isn't it interesting to actually note the fact that Saudi Arabia is going to be one of the protesting nations, protesting against this battle that takes place in Ezekiel chapter 38? Yeah. It's very interesting yeah. how they're, they're already butting heads and not liking each other. Yes, they are. It is, it is fascinating. In fact, I had a question that just came in a couple minutes ago regarding Netanyahu and uh, Gantz and their new relationship. Right. I want to come back to that because that all, all well, fits into what we're talking about right. right now. But I want to deal with this. And the reason I'm going to ask you this question, it just came in too. In fact, I don't think I'm going to be able to get to the rest I have because <laughs> a lot of questions have come in just in the last couple of minutes. So I want to deal with this because I think there's a lot of people that struggle with this, especially moms. Okay, you ready? Yep. It's regarding the rapture. I know you've heard, heard this probably 300 times, but here it is. Will children be raptured that are from families that are non-believers? And what about women that are pregnant as the rapture happens? That's a question we hear a lot. You've heard a lot on pastor's perspective in the yep. past. Yep. And I know people, their heart breaks when they are thinking about that. Yeah, and let me, let me tag on to that. There's also people that say, well, what if you're a Christian and you don't believe in the rapture, right? And my answer is, well, when the rapture takes place, you're going to believe, right? And, um, and with respect to babies, listen, I really do believe, even babies in the womb, as, as interesting as this may sound, I, I don't know if it's going it to manifest in the way that the babies end up being stillborn in the mother's womb when it takes place, when the rapture takes place, if the mom is not a believer. I'm not necessarily sure. But, but I really do think that God has his hands upon the lives of these little babies. And, and this is the way I look at it, because we have biblical evidence of that being the case. One of my favorite stories is the story of King David. When King David knew that there was a very high likelihood that his child was going to die, his little baby was going to die. And so if you remember, he was praying and fasting and he wouldn't eat. His servants wanted him to eat. And he was scary. People were scared. They were like, what in the world is going on? And then finally the baby dies and David practically gets up and goes, let's party. Come on. And he cleans himself up. He goes to eat and his, his servants are scared to death. 
And they go to him and they're like, dude, you were like freaking out before and now the baby died and why are you so okay? And David says something really interesting. He says, listen, I had to humble myself. I had to put myself in a position to seek the Lord, to pray, to fast in the off chance that God would heal my baby and give my baby life. But now that my baby is, is no longer here, basically, I know that I'm going to be reunited with him one day. What was he talking about? Amen. What was he talking about, right? So I think this would apply to babies. I think this would apply to kids with special needs. I think, I mean, there's a lot of different categories. And I will throw on top of that, more importantly, the fact that God is a just God, right? So mm -hmm. he knows exactly what he's doing. But going back to people who are not believers, right? When the tribulation goes on or when the rapture takes place and they are faced with the tribulation, my, my greatest piece of advice is don't accept the mark of the beast, right? And the likelihood that you're going to survive that is no. But if you don't accept the mark of the beast, you have that chance for salvation. And I'll also say this, accept Christ now, right? Don't waste your time. Accept him right now. Why waste your time? Why, why run the risk? Right. I, I, I look at this and I think uh, God's full of grace mm -hmm. and full of mercy. But at the same time, you watch, again, this is during the tribulation period. Rapture takes place. Things develop the way you just said. The devastation of people, stillborn babies, uh, baby or, or kids disappearing. That were they have a, uh, 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 somebody that's uh, challenged, um, and they're not able to connect with all the dots mentally. Mm -hmm. They're mentally incapacitated, and suddenly they're gone. The devastation of people after the rapture, as things unfold is more than just their neighbor disappearing. Oh, yeah. You have families and moms and different things. When you start looking at that capacity, you're thinking uh, it, would, it should and it will be absolutely overwhelming for people. Well, and it's funny, too, because you think it will be overwhelming, but in many ways, I think society is preparing us to not be overwhelmed yeah. by it. You look at this thing that NASA's up to right now, uh, or it's not NASA is not up to anything. I don't think there I don't think there's any conspiracy going on here. But there's a growing population that believe that NASA. This is true. You can go look this up. There's a growing population of people that believe that NASA, through its technology, is going to simulate a second coming, right? That that that's going to happen. They're going to simulate a rapture really? using all kinds of technology. It's a growing really? conspiracy. It's a very popular conspiracy. There's a lot of people thinking that, right? Now, imagine, imagine for all those conspiracy theorists that have been on record that NASA is going to do something like this, and then we're raptured. And then it happens. Just think about that for a minute. I had not heard about oh, that. Oh, yeah. That is no, it's a growing thing. Wow. It's a growing thing. Yep. That, that is crazy. Yeah. I mean, but that's an example yeah. of one of many things like well, that. Well, we also know that uh, in the last days, God will send them strong delusion because they would not receive the love of the truth. Right. And receive Christ. It looks like, listen, we're already in this place of this strong delusion. It's coming our way so you can see why uh, people will be deceived. In fact, the Bible even talks about uh, uh, being deceived um, in the last days. In fact, things will be so deceptive. Jesus even talks about it, even if it was possible, even the elect would be deceived. Mm -hmm. You look at this and you go, man, things are, are quite uh that's just a trip. I just never heard that one before. I'm about looking NASA it up for you right that. now because I saw okay. how shocked you were about it. While you're, while you're looking that up, here's this question. This has to do with Netanyahu and Gantt. I'm, I'm watching you live right now, and I was wondering what you think about the new alliance between Netanyahu and Gantt and what it means prophetically. Now, we talked about this a little bit the other day on the podcast. Right. And we're looking at this. You have Ezekiel 38, but you also have uh, the um, where the proper uh, Judea and parts of Judea and Samaria are starting to be annexed by Israel. And you see Netanyahu and Gantz uh, lining up together. They formed this government able to move forward. And Israel, this is what people don't realize. While all of these other things are going on in the world, Israel is saying, we're going to take this property. We're going to take this property and this property. Of course, it's their property, but the UN and, uh, uh, mainstream media doesn't see it as being Israel's property, but it is. Right. And Israel says, this is ours, and we're going to claim it, we're going to take it right now. Right. And so Gantz and Netanyahu, they formed this alliance in the right. government. They're moving forward. Prophetically, do you see anything with this? 
Well, I think it's interesting because, um, you know, there's a lot of questions that go into people's minds now. Okay, well, is the position of Israel going to be weakened uh, by this? Um, is, uh, is there going to be any implications that come from this that uh, sort of uh, create a circumstance that might kind of get away from many of the things that we believe in Bible prophecy? And here's my thing. I think it just accelerates it. That's what I think. Because when we start talking about it, we talked about this, right? The annexation of land that's going on right now in Israel mm -hmm. and all of the other things that are happening that's associated with this, uh, with this actual constructed party now, right? You have to keep in mind that this man who opposes Netanyahu, and he does, right? He hates Trump. He hates Boris Johnson. He hates probably what may be some of the three most significant world leaders we've ever had. That's my, I call them the, the famous uh, triune, triune world, uh, group of leaders right here. You're talking about Johnson, you're Trump, you're talking about Netanyahu. What's going on? But what I'm paying attention to more importantly than that is I'm paying attention to people that are going to the United States of America and saying, hey, what do you think of Israel's position? with respect to the annexation of land. We talked about this, by the way. And the fact that our Secretary of State is saying, mm -hmm. they have every right. Yeah. Mind your own business. Don't ask me. They have every right. What I think it speaks to is I think that Netanyahu is much stronger of a leader than a lot of people think. I think he's a lot, uh, a lot more aggressive with respect to what he calls his, or what we, what the, what the fake news call his nationalistic mm -hmm. approach. Right. And I think that this is only going to accelerate the strengthening of their economy, the strengthening of their GDP, the uh, resources that they put out. I think it's just going to make them stronger, thus accelerating everything that we've been talking yeah. about so far yeah. as it relates to what's going to happen with the account that we read about in Ezekiel and so on and so forth. I just think it's going to fast forward it. Yeah, I do, too. I think if uh, Israel is incredibly strong right. in the last days going into the tribulation period. Absolutely. So this is only going to enhance everything moving forward, including their economy. But also God gave Israel a lot more land than what they have right now. Oh, they have a, even the original plan uh, with the whole, uh, at the time of the Balfour Declaration and uh, the British Mandate and everything originally was drawn up, Israel's going to have m way more land than they actually have. As things came out in the wash, Israel ends up with a little tiny a sliver. They didn't even get the West Bank at that time, nor did That's they get the right. Golan Heights. They finally got that back. But, uh, but God had given Israel way more land uh, in the Bible, and God promises that land to Israel, and Israel is moving forward. God's hand is on Israel. God is not done with Israel. Um, we are almost out, of, almost out of time. So I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. By the way, Project Bluebeam is what this is called. Project Bluebeam. So that's the called. one look where NASA's NASA. simulating yes. a rapture. There you go. Yes. Project Bluebeam. Yeah. I'm going to look that up. I've never heard that before. Yeah, it's very interesting. And, uh, I, I can't wait. So I have a lot more questions, okay. but we don't have a lot more time. All right. Okay, this one comes in, uh, and I hear this a lot about the timing of the rapture. No one knows the day or the hour. Right. I want you to address it, then we're going to move on to the right. next one. we got four more questions, okay. including the Pope. Okay, okay. so um, with the rapture, this question just came in just a minute ago okay. regarding the um, day of Pentecost. Okay. And there are people that say, well, the Pente uh, Pentecost is a marker for the timing of the rapture. Right. Others say Rosh Hashanah because of the trumpet and, mm -hmm. and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, the Feast of Trumpets and so forth. Right. Um, what do you say, and I have a lot of friends who, who do this, you know, they get into these things, and, um, but I, what do you say to uh, those theories that place the timing of the rapture within, whether it be Pentecost or uh, Rosh Hashanah? I think Pentecost right now, because we're, we're coming up on right. Pentecost real soon, right. we're in this lockdown, right. shelter at home, right time would be the perfect time to have a rapture right right um what do you so, think so here's the thing look statistically speaking it's very possible that something like that could happen here's a subtlety that people don't get right and i'm not minimizing these theories that people have with regard to these feasts and so on and so forth the jewish calendar is based upon lunar events it's based upon the lunar calendar right so every single event that's celebrated in the Jewish circles centers around that process, okay? 
So when we talk about the second coming of Jesus, is it likely, when he raptures the church at least, when we see this, is it likely it might fall upon that? Yes, it's very likely. Can I tell you for sure? Absolutely not. I think there's a big mistake in doing this. Remember, and I think this is important, the mistake that everybody makes when they talk about Christ coming for his church, right? Rapturing his church, is they think of him rapturing the Gentile church in Jewish terms. When in reality, Jewish terms are Jewish terms. And when Christ sits down and makes a, or when the Lord, when God the Father makes a covenant with his ancestrally chosen people, it's a covenant with them. It's not a covenant with the Gentiles. The symbol of the covenant with the Jews is the Sabbath, the Shabbat. That's their symbol, right? Obviously centers around lunar calendars and all that other fun stuff, right? But here's the more important thing to keep in mind. Our symbol of the covenant, the new covenant, is what? Is really the Passover feast in many ways. It really is. It's communion, mm -hmm. right? But Jesus doesn't say, take this during the time of Passover. He says, do this as much as you can. Do it in remembrance mm -hmm. of me, right? So when you really think about it, if you're thinking in terms of a Jewish occurrence or a Jewish event, quite possibly you could look at that with a little bit more credibility, but we are talking about a covenant that's being made predominantly between the Gentiles, the church, right? So um, no one knows the day or the hour, so be careful. That's all I got to say, right? And there's a lot of that blood moon, Shemitah stuff, all that craziness. I'm not minimizing any of that, yeah. but we are Gentiles, and the church is different from Israel. Mm -hmm. And the rapture could happen at any moment. Any moment. And, and I'm ready to go home. Any moment. Uh, so this one just came in. James is just so calm. I wish he would get excited once in a while. Be quiet, really? <laughs> oh my goodness, that is so funny. <laughs> oh, I think that was sarcasm, right? Yeah, I think that was sarcasm. Okay. See, this is people, you need to know this. So Tom knows that I'm loud. He knows I'm from the Middle East. And he loves firing these questions at me and just watching me go. Isn't that right? You yeah. like lighting and now fires, I'm going to fire you another talk? one that's going to oh, light you on fire. Go. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You do not have to answer it if you don't want to. <laughs> okay. This person asked about Chinese surveillance. It's starting to happen here. Yeah. I would agree right. it is happening here yep. in the state of Ace. Mm -hmm. But I want to go back to China. We can talk about that question another time sure. in the surveillance. Yeah. 200 million army men. You do not have to answer this if you want. I don't mind answering it. Okay, because I'll answer it. Yeah. If, if, you I don't know, mind answering I've already gotten right. people mad at me over yeah. my answer yeah. to this. Yeah, yeah. The, there's a lot of Bible prophecy You're teachers. talking about Revelation 9, 16? Yes. Yeah. A Revelation chapter 9 or Revelation chapter 16? Yeah, 9, 16. With that, that and chapter yeah, right, 16, yeah, 16 is right, yes. the, the uh, yep. Yep, uh, yep. Uh, kings of the east yes. coming over the dried up Euphrates Correct. River. Correct. Uh, Revelation chapter 9, there's an army of 200 million. So Bible prophecy teachers... Who look at the different bowl judgments, seal or different judgments, seal judgments, trumpet judgments, bowl judgments. They say they're all three different sets of judgments. Suddenly, they take chapter nine, uh, trumpet judgments, chapter sixteen, bowl judgments. They say the two hundred million here means that there's an army of two hundred million men that are going to come over from China in the last days. Um, do you think this there's going to be an army of two hundred million? Okay, it's absurd. Okay. You know, you just got a lot this. of your own I, friends I and colleagues. I'm my friends and, I'm getting my friends in trouble. Know, That's right. Yeah. I'm getting myself in trouble with my friends that, yeah. that I respect. So I'll just leave it alone. But let's just talk common sense. Can, can we just talk common yeah. sense for a second? Yeah. Okay. First of all, where in Revelation does it give us an indication that we're talking about a human army here? Yeah. It doesn't. We're seeing it a is. very clear yeah. description of creatures. Yes, we are. So do we take Revelation literally everywhere else? and then establish a metaphorical interpretation right there? That's my first question. Here's my second question. With all the modern technology that we have, how long does it take to move an army of 100,000 from one position to another? Another, I said another. From one position to another, spanning the length of that dried up area of the Euphrates. Mm -hmm. How long does it take? It's gonna take a long time. What's a long time? Let's, re let's get realistic yeah. about it. You have to have food. You have to have kitchen set up. You have to have hospitals set up. You have to be able to move. Just 100,000 army men is an enormous task, even with today's technology. 
An absolutely uh, uh, enormous task. Yom Kippur War. Why did Israel win besides the amazing, majestical hand of God? Why? You remember? It was a logistical problem. There was a huge logistical problem with the opposing army. If you remember that whole story. It, it, you, you think about what happened there when these people are overwhelmed, watching the tanks coming at them from their position there, you know, and looking at everything that's around them, and then all of a sudden the tanks just stopping. Literally. Why? They ran out of fuel. They forgot the logistics, and they all just, I mean, at the hands of just a few guys in a small position, literally did what they did. It's a logistics thing. Yeah. It, 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 I, I cannot imagine migrating a group of soldiers, even 100,000 soldiers, across the span of that distance in the dried-up Euphrates, taking more than six months. Yeah, just 100,000 soldiers. 100,000. So I did a study imagine on Imagine 200 this. million. No, I, I have. I did a study on this, uh, a message on this one time. You know you were there. Got some angry people at me. But pointed out just the, the logistic impossibility of moving an army of 200 million men yep. from China over into the area of the Valley of Megiddo, right. or, or Jezreel Valley, yes. to get them there, Armageddon to most people, uh, to get them there, it, it's really impossible. And we're not going to get into those numbers now, but I would encourage you to Google it. Just ask, what would it take to relocate 200 million troops? You won't find anything on Google that'll show that. It's, it's, because there's, yeah. there's, there's nothing that, there's no one that even yeah. knows that. No. There's no one that even knows that. Take a million-man army and try to move it like that. Yeah. Forget yeah. it. No. Nope. It'll never happen. It won't happen. Last question. Final yep. question. Okay. The Pope. I'm going to get in trouble for this, by the way, the, the million-man army thing. I, I'm already in trouble okay. for it. I get all people right. mad at me all the time whenever I talk on it. And it, it, look, it, it's Revelation chapter 9 and Revelation chapter 16 are not the same thing. Right. The only thing that is the same is the mention of the Euphrates. That's right. Uh, chapter 9, you have these demonic creatures that have come up underneath the Euphrates. Right. Chapter 16, this army, not mentioned how many are coming over a dried up Euphrates. And, I, you know, and it, the reason why the Euphrates has to be mentioned in that context is because of the strategic positions yeah. of his existence as a dried up uh, body, water, body water. Right. It makes sense. It would be the way that you would, it would be the only way you could come in through into that valley. Yeah. Yes, you have to, you're coming up over, you're you coming from the east, you're coming over you the, have to. the Euphrates River. It, 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 so, yeah. All right, the Pope. Um, there's a lot of people that say the Pope is a false prophet, uh, the woman who rides the beast, um, whatever you want to call it. So on Earth Day 2020, Pope Francis cries for, we have sinned against Mother Nature, and she will not forgive our trespasses. And then this article gives a lot more details about what he has said in the past what he said again just last week. Um, you look at these things that this Pope says, and uh, in Revelation chapter 13, speaking of the false prophet, uh, the false prophet will have two horns uh, that look like a lamb, but he's going to speak like the devil, speak right. like the dragon. Correct. So he's going to appear to be a Christ of sense, a, a very Christian. Two horns will look like a lamb, but speak like the devil. He's not going to be Christian, but so many people praise him, right. but he lifts up, nature and the gods of this world right over the bible yep. and over the lord of heaven and i'm right. looking at this pope and thinking there's some alarming things about what he says yeah so i wouldn't put him on the level of the false prophet i don't think he's sophisticated enough to be someone like that or the woman that rides the beast or anything like that but what is very interesting is is his position on these issues is quite interesting in that what he's doing with the church is literally, or the parachurch, as I would put it, right, mm -hmm. is he is promoting the globalistic mentality. Remember this, okay? Let me throw out a few phrases at you, right? Green New Deal, mm -hmm. okay? Global warming. Mm -hmm. Those are the mechanisms that are being deployed right now by people on the extreme left to create an anti-colonial agenda, to create an anti-nationalist agenda, to create a unique and powerful globalist agenda. That's what it's all about. These people don't care about the, about the Mother Earth. They don't care about the, uh, the, the, the problems with pollution. They don't care about any of that stuff. It's the mechanism that they deploy to bring in that picture of globalism. That's exactly what yeah. it is.
So these are tools that are used. I totally Absolutely. agree. Agenda, Agenda 2030. Uh, Great example. Th these are tools, and, and they're going to be implemented. That's right. Uh, I, I, these, these laws are going to be implemented is Absolutely. what I mean. We can look at them. We see what's happening now just with the, the uh, CCP virus generation. That's right. And everything that's coming. James, we have a lot more to talk about that I didn't even get. I told you a list of questions I'd ask you tonight. We never I think I asked one there. of them. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I don't even them. know if I even asked All of these of were off the cuff, believe so, it or not. Yeah, and the people sending them. So this is what we want you to do. Share these videos, share these YouTube. Yep. Uh, subscribe to these channels also. James, do you want to say a few things to the audience about this? Yeah, so first of all, go to Hope For Our Times, you guys. I, I, as somebody who studies prophecy, I really love, Tom's one of my best friends, so of course I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I really love the work that Tom does. He works hard. He's looking at the news all the time. He's a great watchman. And I really love what you see on HopeForOurTimes.com. I also love the Hope For Our Times YouTube channel because there's a lot of things going on there. So subscribe there. And then I would personally ask a favor that you would follow me on Instagram. I'm James Cadiz on Instagram. And go to Calvary Chapel Signal Hill's YouTube channel. You just go to Calvary Chapel Signal Hill. We are there on YouTube. You can go there. And then, I don't know if you know this, but Tom and I also have a YouTube channel that we're going to start doing some work in in the near future. We're not super active on there, but subscribe so that when we do wake that channel up, you'll have it. It's called Real Hope with Tom and James. But the two ones that I really want you guys are the three that I think are really important is go follow uh, our YouTube channels. Those are important ones. Or, or Subscribe to our YouTube channels. Please, please on Instagram. I think it's important. Follow Tom on Instagram. Tom Hughes' Instagram name. Follow me on Instagram, James Cadiz, because we're going to keep you up to speed day to day. And then on our YouTube channels, you're going to get stuff from Hope For Our Times all the time on that YouTube channel. On the Calvary Chapel Signal Hill YouTube channel, we do a Q&A. Literally, this is no joke. We're doing a Q&A at least three to four times a week live. So we're taking lots of questions. And uh, you can see us on Facebook Live. That's actually where you could submit your questions. And Tom and I are going to be doing a lot more work like that as well. So please, subscribe, follow. That's important. Amen. 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 God bless. Thank you very much for joining us. Listen, again, on Friday, I'm going to be with James. We have our, pod, our podcast and uh, also our Wednesday updates. Share this with your friends. And... Uh, until next time, James, which will only be Friday. <laughs> yep. Can I say, I would yes. really love to see the Hope For Our Times YouTube channel hit 100,000 subscribers. I really want to see that happen because I, this is my feeling on that. The more that subscribe, the more people are being exposed to the gospel and they're being exposed to the things that are going on in the last days. And I, I really want to see that happen. I really want to see people seeking out prophecy uh, information especially good Bible teaching prophecy information. I think that's an incredible thing to do. So please tell your friends and get them to Amen. subscribe. Amen. Subscribe. Uh, can't wait till next time. It's going to be fantastic. Until then, God bless. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.